0: glad you've joined us today for meeting with god meeting with god is the radio preaching ministry of vertical church in columbus we're continuing our series called the power of worship and today we're going to look at the first part of a message called eradicating idols empowering worship let's learn together from god's word I'll admit this is going to be a little bit of a challenging message. Uh, One thing that you learn as a pastor as you preach through God's word verse by verse is you hit some interesting passages and some difficult passages. Uh, But we're growing together. We believe that God's word speaks to us uh, from every verse. And that's why we go verse by verse uh, through whatever passage God puts in front of us next. I want to tell you something. I got some guys that I know in the church, and they're thinking about going and running a marathon. Now, that just gives me um, chills, sweat, whatever. Uh, Just thinking about that, I hate running. I hate running. Exercise better. Hate running. But you know, if you're going to run in a marathon, um, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Finish. It's a lot harder as you get toward the end of that marathon or that half marathon. When you're hitting mile 12 or mile 25, whatever it is, you feel it. You hit the wall. You run into certain challenges. Well, same is true in your walk with Jesus Christ. There's times where you are tempted to do things that will compromise your ability to follow Jesus Christ effectively. And we're going to look at a passage where Paul is addressing that very thing. Let's begin reading 1 Corinthians and chapter 10. We're now more than halfway through the book. Uh, It's been an amazing study. We'll continue right now. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says, For I want you to know, uh, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. I'm going to pause here for a second. Uh, That first word there in the Greek, uh, gar, for, for, uh, it's connecting this passage to the previous uh, passage that we were talking about last week in the sense that, as Paul was talking about uh, passing the test or becoming disqualified, now Paul's going to give an illustration of someone who disqualified themselves. Wow, exciting. I'm so glad I came to church today. I get to hear about somebody who disqualified themselves. Well, sometimes we hear sober warnings. Sometimes we come to hear exciting things. Next week's going to be a lot more exciting Sometimes we need to hear different messages from God on different things. Uh, Paul is illustrating his discussion. Uh, notice what he says. He says, for I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers are fathers. Now, he's not talking about their physical fathers. He's talking about their spiritual fathers. Um, there were both Jews and Gentiles in this uh, church community in Corinth. And he's saying the fathers he's referring to are a generation in the nation of Israel. If, if you remember back to when uh, Moses led the nation out of Egypt that generation is the generation that Paul's about ready to talk about, okay? That generation saw more of God's raw power, arguably, than any other generation in the history of mankind until perhaps ours, when Jesus returns someday. That's going to be an awesome generation. However, unfortunately, this discussion of their fathers is not a positive one. It says they were, but it starts out positive. First it says, our fathers were all under the cloud, doesn't mean that it was raining. It means that they were under the cloud that God directed them with the cloud by day and the fire by night. Uh, it was a t- directional thing. God directed them. They were under the direction of the cloud. And they all passed through the sea. Anybody know what that was? The red or reed sea that they passed through. And God opened up the waters and they walked through. And then verse 2, it says, And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, I'm not suggesting that there were a lot of people getting baptized. You can imagine Moses baptizing one. That's not what he's talking about, okay? Um, There wasn't a baptism in the sense that we think of baptism into uh, the death and resurrection of Christ, okay? Now, we think of baptism as a part of becoming a believer, or really the first step in obedience as a believer, I should say. Part of baptism is my identification with Jesus Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So the sense is, that we're talking about here in the text, is identification with. And when those people marched out of Egypt, and they followed Moses, and the direction God had given Moses, they were, in a sense, identifying with uh, Moses, baptized into Moses. A little bit of a unique way to say that. I thought John MacArthur's comments on this were very helpful. Then verse 3, it says, And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same a spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Now once again, you've got to kind of decipher what Paul's saying here. Uh, when he's saying spiritual food and drink, he's not talking about a sermon. Okay, He's not talking about something like that. He's talking about physical food that spiritually that could not have happened without God getting involved. Okay, when we talk about spiritual food, we're talking about manna. When we're talking about spiritual drink. We're talking about when God commanded Moses to hit the rock and water came out. Then there's another time he's supposed to speak to the rock. He didn't hit it again. Water came out. We're talking about that, spiritual drink. And it says, uh, the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Some very interesting comments on that, but I want to read to you what John MacArthur said here. I think it was very helpful. It said, the supernatural rock, i.e. Christ protected and sustained his people and would not allow them to perish. They were going through the desert. The Old Testament believers did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but even during the Exodus, they had the sustaining presence of the preexistent Messiah, the pre-incarnate Christ, caring for and fulfilling the needs of the people. So think about that. Jesus Christ himself caring for those people. This should, this should sober us. I want you to think, here's a generation that saw God do things that have never happened before. Ten plagues, opening up the sea, feeding the people from heaven miraculously, all of that and many more things. And yet this generation was arguably the least faithful in the nation of Israel. It says, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Literally, it says their corpses were all over the wilderness. And as they wandered around, and here's another 15 that died, and oh yeah, here we circle around again, and there's where, you know, my, my great aunt and great uncle died. Um, God, because they had not been faithful to God, God kept them in the wilderness, and they died in the wilderness, literally corpses in the wilderness. If you walked around, it was like, you know, here's this graveyard, that graveyard, because the people chose not to follow God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Think about this. A generation of people who saw God's power and yet a generation that did not follow him. Now, most people are like, boy, if only my loved ones that don't know the Lord, if only they could experience his power, then they would follow him. Or, boy, you know, I would be much more consistent in small group if they had somebody get healed in small group. Or if that atheist came to Christ. Just because God's power show up does not mean that people's hearts follow you know, some of the people here in the nation of Israel are like, oh, well, if only we had, like, the generation when Moses was there. I mean, Moses, he could preach. I'm telling you, that guy had it going. If only we could be a part of that. I want to, throw, I want to show a picture. This is more what it's really like. Why don't you show us the picture of our uh, genealogy? You know, sometimes we're like little Johnny at the top. And we're like, yeah, you know, all those previous generations, they were amazing. You ever seen this picture before? Well, follow the, the genealogies back here to the bottom. Uh, his great-great-great-grandpa was a pirate, Okay? that's kind of what happened here with the nation of Israel. This generation of fathers chose we are not going to follow Jesus Christ, or we're not going to follow God's direction. We're not going to be faithful. Without a heart for worshiping God and a heart to live out the gospel, which is what Paul's been discussing, God's power can become the fireworks at my parade. God is my nice little sideshow but not the subject of my passionate worship. Just like this generation, uh, we can end up missing the greatest blessings God wants to bring in our lives. God wants to bring blessing into your life. I'm not talking about getting you rich. I'm talking about God's favor in your life, in your family, in your relationships, in your growth in Jesus Christ. And God has good things for you. However, However, if you do not believe him and do not follow him, you can see God's power, but it's just like a sideshow. My spiritual experiences do not equal spiritual transformation. Verse six, Paul says, now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Think about this, he says first, that we, no one is above, no one is beyond, no one has passed failing the test that God has put in your life. Unless you're dead or planning to die this afternoon, which I hope you're not, um, the reality is you have not finished yet, and you could be disqualified. Now, in the, when I, remember we talked about this last week. I don't believe disqualification is talking about you losing your salvation. It's talking about you being unfaithful to Jesus Christ and not living for the gospel like you're supposed to. And someday you're gonna, every one of us is going to stand before Jesus Christ, and he's going to give an assessment of our lives, and I'd hate for you, any of you, to have to hear a rebuke at that point. How sad that would be. It's a soberness, a seriousness. It's on me and our leaders, on our elders. If corruption can happen to them, it can happen to me too. The point is, learn from examples. That's what we're doing here. Notice what he says in verse six. This took place as examples. Let's learn from examples. Don't be an example. But I also want you to see something in this text. Notice at verse seven, it says, that we might not. And some of you here come from broken families. You come from broken situations. By God's grace, you have an opportunity to walk faithful with him and to set a new course for the next generation in your life. And I'm thinking of some of you who have gone through a difficult situation. You didn't grow up going to church, not even close to that. However, God got a hold of you, and as a result, you can set a new course, and you can lead your children and your family in a new place, regardless of who your forefathers were and whatever they did. You can follow Jesus Christ that we might not. We don't have to repeat their failures. We don't have to repeat our parents' failures, our grandparents' failures. We can walk in God's grace. We can be the new next generation. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church in Columbus. You know, I pray that as you listen to Meeting with God daily, you are growing in your passion to follow Jesus Christ. But you know, following Jesus is more than just listening to sermons. It's about serving him with our gifts and abilities. Hey, can I encourage you to think about what would be the next step of faith in serving Christ in your church or your community? And you know, if you don't have a church, let me invite you to visit our church family at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus. Then verse 7, Paul says, Do not be idolaters. Wow. Idolaters. As some of them were idolatry I thought we were just talking about being disobedient now you're saying that we're idolaters isn't that getting a little strong isn't scripture getting a little I mean, Paul's, Paul's a little amped up here maybe she should just settle down a little bit Well, get this the problem with our hearts is not about being bad oh I was naughty I gotta stop that sin I gotta stop talking like that I gotta stop doing that naughty me it's not about not being good enough yet. Well, if only I was good enough, then I well, someday I'm going to grow and I'm going to be able to do it like I should. That's not the problem. That's not the problem with our hearts. The problem is that when we sin, we are becoming idolaters. We are putting our heart in a place where we're saying, I am the one that is important. I am the one on the throne, not Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, Christians can do that too. I'm not saying you're losing your salvation. i would got to be clear on that. But I'm saying you can play king on your own throne and you become an idolater that's pretty serious the heart of the issue is that any sin or anything is about worship everything you do is about worship everything whether you the decision is whether I will follow Jesus Christ and his will for my life or whether I will get on my own program and follow my own GPS and do it my own way i'm telling you you can worship Jesus Christ on your face before him today and go out and worship yourself all afternoon it's that easy And that's what happened to these people who saw God's miraculous power do amazing things and five minutes later, they were cranking about something else. You're like, that would would never happen to me. Don't say never. How do believers end up there? How do we end up back? How could these people end up as idolaters? Well, here's two things. Um, If you want to go to Psalm 78, you want to get a really great commentary on this text, go back to Psalm 78 later. I'm going to give you the cliff notes right here. Two things that lead people back to being idolaters. This is ways that we trip up and fall back Two things. First, oh, the people forgot. Psalm seventy-eight eleven says they forgot, this generation, they forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. Verse 42 says they did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. They did not remember. They forgot. They forgot. Here's the second thing. Psalm seventy-eight twenty-two. They did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. Same chapter, verse 32. And in spite of all this, they sinned. Despite his wonders... They did not believe. Let me tell you, forgetting and unbelief are two killers in your life. An appetite for idolatry is evidence of my forgetfulness and unbelief. When I have an appetite for sin, it's because I'm forgetting some things about God or I'm choosing not to believe him. Now, this shows up in our life. You might be like, well go home. I love that church service. The worship was good. The preaching was tolerable. But the bottom line was, I'm not sure if I can trust God to work in my marriage. I'm not sure if I can trust God to answer that request. I'm not sure if God could really work on that person. I'm not sure if God could help me find a job. I'm not sure if God could um, help me grow through some sin areas. I'm not sure. That's unbelief. How do we get to unbelief? Well, it's because we forget One of the things we believe in in small groups here is because you need people around you to remind you, hey, 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 Charles, don't you remember? Don't you remember when God answered that prayer for you two years ago and God God did a great work in your life? Don't you remember that? God could do that again. Don't you remember how God changed that person in your family and radically, I mean, they're totally different today. God could do that again. We forget, we forget. Uh, I think of it the older I get. I think we all think this. The older we get, the more we forget. The unbelieving, forgetful heart is extremely susceptible to idolatry. Now, I would say that that's never more true in our nation today. Sadly, we have forgotten some of the great leaders who followed the Lord, who had a heart for freedom. We don't got freedom just because some people happened to think it was a good idea. A lot of the basis for our legal system come out of right out of God's word. Verse seven says, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play now Paul is not describing a church picnic uh, what he's doing is he's giving cliff notes on a major event in the Old Testament now Paul assumes that all the people that are reading this know what he's talking about so he just kind of goes "Oh, remember that you remember that now I realize that some of you are newer in the Lord and you may be like what is he talking about there this must be important because they're getting up they're eating they're drinking, and they're playing. Okay, so are they playing soccer? What are they doing? Well, something we're going to be doing over the next couple of minutes is going back to some of these texts. And I want to encourage you. This is why I say it. I hope you're not just in 1 Corinthians for a year and a half. I hope that you're in God's Word reading it from cover to cover. My desire on Sunday is just to wet your taste, being like, wow, I could get into God's Word all week and learn even more. And that's true. And that's what I want for you. Okay, I want you in God's Word. But we're going to go back a couple uh, do a couple passages. Once you turn way hard to the left in your Bible. Uh, go right back to the beginning. Genesis, Exodus. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus uh, chapter 32. Uh, we're going to be looking at four events uh, that this generation, this unfaithful generation, uh, participated in. Now keep in mind, these people, this generation of Israelites, had just left Egypt, had seen God do some amazing things, Moses was uh, up on the mountain, Mount Sinai. He was uh, conversing with God directly. Amazing things. But here's what happened with the people. Moses was up there for a while, and they're like, what happened to Moses? Moses still alive. Are we just going to stay here forever? So verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, that's unbelievable. Aaron, who had seen God, you look a couple chapters earlier, had quite an encounter with God himself. Now he's saying this. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. Wow, seriously? And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord, Yahweh. Okay, so we're gonna worship with a golden calf and confuse it with the God of of Israel great. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And I'm going to tell you that word play is extremely, it's a loaded sexual term. Okay. So they basically sat down, had a nice meal, got drunk, and then had sexual orgies. Imagine how that made God feel. Here's what God's response is, verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for this people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them, and they have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. And behold, they are a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and consume them in order that I may make a nation of you. Now, Moses appealed to God, and God in his mercy did not consume them. However, now we're in our own world, in our lives. I must choose a life of idol chasing or Christ-exalting worship. You're going to have to choose that. The reality is you might be here today and you're like, yeah, well, that church is okay. It's a check mark. I'm here because my spouse drove me here. I'm here because of whatever. I'm going to tell you, your life, whether you like it or not, whether you choose it or not, you are choosing whether to follow idols or follow God. Your choice. Here's the first one. Idolaters, difference between idolaters and believers right here. Idolaters demand humanistic worship. Believers crave transcendent worship. Let me give you the difference between humanistic worship and transcendent worship. Humanistic worship is for people who want visible, comfortable, comprehensible, touchable, with my five senses, controllable worship. I want something that doesn't rattle my cage. I want something that makes me feel good. Tell me nice stories, Luke, so I feel good when I go home and I have something nice to say to my spouse and make me comfortable. Don't rock my world. That's humanistic worship. I want to make a God in my own image that makes me feel good. That's exactly what they did. Here's transcendent worship. There's those who cry for more. That's why I hope you're here today. Those who want transcendent worship want an awesome, living, all-powerful, uncontrollable, magnificent, glorious, eternal God of the universe. Amen. That's who Jesus Christ is. That's who God the Father, that's the Trinity right here transcendent, above us, uncontrollable, not something that can make me feel good, but someone that cares for me. That's the God of the universe. That's what Moses was after. But you got to choose. What do you crave? There's one difference, the type of worship. Then let's go on to verse 8 in Corinthians. Keep a finger uh, back in Exodus. People sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Then he says, We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. Wow. Why don't you turn over to Numbers chapter 25. That's a little bit to the right of Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers 25. Again, God had revealed himself to these people. He had given them the law. These people knew what they were doing. Yet here's an example that Paul's referring to. Chapter 25, verse 1 says, While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. And these invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. The daughters of Moab invited the Israelites, especially young men, to make sacrifices to their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. Whoa, what? You've seen the raw power of the God of the universe and you're going to bow down to what? So the Israel yoked himself to the Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. The Lord said to Moses, take all the chiefs of of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to the bale of Peor. Verse six, and behold... One of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The people were crushed over what was going on. Some of them were repenting and crying out to God. In the middle of that, one guy grabs a gal and runs uh, right past them. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber... They were both embracing each other and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague of the people of Israel was stopped. And it goes on. i want to tell you something. You're like, seriously, God's really ticked. Is God really like that? Um, that's because we have a perspective of worship that is so divorced from what God's perspective is. God is the God of the universe. And when we flaunt ourselves against God, um, God is holy. Now that's a hard passage to read, I get it but God is holy. Paul here is reminding the people how important it is to be pure, to be sexually pure. This is something the Corinthians struggled with. You know, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I would say in our day, it's no different. Idolatry and perversity in sexuality go hand in hand. Sex is awesome if handled the way God intended only but ultimately, the way we approach sexuality is an expression of our worship to God or to ourselves. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We hope you were encouraged in your own relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please subscribe to our Vertical Church Columbus podcast. There you will find an extensive collection of sermons from Vertical Church Worship Services and other unique content from Pastor Luke, which will enrich your faith and point you to Christ. You can find the podcast by searching Vertical Church Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.